Happy Friday, everyone. Along with Aaron Davis, I am Colby Daniels. Uh, we did a mock draft yesterday. Um, I mean, we were just hoping for two right, and we had two in the first three picks. So we absolutely surpassed the expectation yesterday. But let me just say this. What an awesome first round that was from a drama standpoint. I mean, we had so many trades, so many unpredictable uh, selections throughout the entire thing. Like, I absolutely enjoyed watching the first round of the NFL draft. Aaron, how are you today? And uh, you ready for round two? I am ready for round two. I'm good as well. Uh, also, right on brand with this offseason. I mean, this has been the craziest offseason in the history of the NFL. So, only fitting that uh, we have superstar trades last night. Well, one of them's a star. The other one, borderline. But big trades. Uh, teams moving and shaking and, uh, I mean, just to fit into this, the total unexpected of this offseason, uh, the Patriots with the absolute biggest flub of the first round. Like, who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there was so much discussion, I mean, to, to just kind of recap and, and start at the top of this thing. Uh, with Jacksonville, what direction would they go? I know there was a lot of smoke the last couple weeks about Trayvon Walker potentially being the pick. And I felt like a lot of that wasn't necessarily that people had good information on that as much as it was like, well, if they don't really know who it is, maybe it makes sense that they're going with a guy that has the kind of ceiling that Trayvon Walker has. Ultimately, that's the direction they go. And, uh, you know, I, they, they take a guy that obviously has a ton of, uh, of physical ability, um, hasn't had as much production on the football field as some of the others. And part of that is because of the defense he played in where, you know, four of his other Georgia teammates were also selected in the first round defensively. And maybe the best player on the football field a year ago, N'Kobe Dean didn't even go. And he will probably hear his name very quickly tonight. So uh, Trayvon Walker to me has all the physical attributes to be an elite edge rusher. And we'll just see when he gets into a, a system where they're specifically asking him to do one thing and, you know, kind of unleashing him, I guess, if you will, uh, how that works out. But in a draft where, you know, there's not the unanimous, this guy is going to be a future all pro, like a Miles Garrett type, um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't hate the thought of of going with somebody that has this kind of ceiling. Yeah, I took some exceptions to uh, Booger and the ESPN broadcast kind of dogging on the pick a little bit like. What, I mean, where do you expect Jacksonville to be at this year or in the next two to three years? Like, they're not anywhere close to competing. So taking a guy that has the ceiling of a guy like Trayvon Walker over a guy who's arguably a lot of people think is already at his ceiling, like in Aiden Hutchinson, well, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that the Cowboys and Micah Parsons completely changed the game last year. They completely changed the perception on taking these versatile guys and moving them all over the field and fitting them into not really fitting them into the scheme, but kind of fitting the scheme to them and just whatever they can utilize them best at on that play or on that drive. And I think it was a good pick. He was my number one in this draft on my board. And it wasn't because he was spectacular at Georgia every snap last year. It's because he's an absolute freak of an athlete that has showed flashes of being very good, exceptional, exceptionally good at doing many things. And I think that if you're Jacksonville, take a gamble on the guy that, you know, sure, it might take a little bit of time, but could be an all pro in three years. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Um, do you have NFL Network? 
I do. I, Why I on was earth would you watch the terrible ESPN broadcast of the draft? I forget every year yeah. that the NFL Network does the oh, draft. It's the ES, look, I love Mel Kuyper. Like, I've been a draft geek for as long as I've been a fan of football, uh, going back to, like, the, the early 90s. And I've always been a fan of Mel Kuyper. I hate the fact that he's on that panel with Booger and... It's yeah. like I, I think Riddick does a good job, but he's not a great television person like his information is good, but he's not a great television guy. I, I don't like Mike Greenberg in that role. Like I think Greeny is terrific at, at his job, but I don't like him in the role of draft host. Like it is such a by a mile an inferior product to what the NFL network throws out in terms of draft coverage. Like I, I didn't even at one point. Turn my television to ESPN last night. Well, I've got six more rounds to yeah. uh, make the switch to the NFL yeah, Network. Yeah, make the know. switch. Do not go back to ESPN. Like, the fact that they had Booger on their main panel to me is just mind-blowing. Like, what are you doing? Mel, I mean, Mel Kuyper couldn't even be bothered to go to the draft this year. Yeah. He's like, I'll just, I'm just going to sit in my house. I'm not going to hang out with those guys. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. Five hours. Yeah. Who would want to do that? But anyways, I, I think it's a good pick by Jacksonville. Again, I had no idea where they were going to go. I gave them Iquanu uh, in our mock draft yesterday just because there were five guys that had been floated around at the number one pick. Yeah. And it, look, I mean, I, I if it's me, I'm going offensive tackle there uh, because it is the number one pick, and I feel like there's massive upside for Trayvon Walker, but there's also the chance that he, he doesn't turn out to be a great player, and I would be pretty stunned if Iquanu or Evan Neal don't become, I mean, at minimum – those guys feel like they're longtime offensive line starters in the NFL, even if that means you ultimately kick them into guard. But I, I think with Evan Neal, I mean, the athleticism and putting him on an island at tackle, like that to me was the the no-brainer pick of this, if it's me in that position. And once again, as we talked about yesterday, that also helps last year's number one overall pick become the player that you hope he becomes. So you're not, you know, it's 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 help helping you be right on two number one overall picks if you go offensive line there. Uh, so that's the direction I would have gone, but uh, I do like Trayvon Walker. We talked about the Stingley situation yesterday, and you actually picked Stingley in the mock draft. I said that I wasn't buying into all the smoke screen that we started getting this week. It, it turned out to be true, Aaron. So many times we hear these like last-minute rumors that are somewhat of a smoke screen, and this year with the Stingley situation – it was the truth, and the Texans pulled the trigger on Derek Stingley at number three. I mean, first off, you're giving the Texans front office too much credit to think that they can play mind games uh, <laughs> with anybody but themselves. And to, like, I just, I, you know, we talked about the smoke screen yesterday, and I just, who high on Derek Stingley that they needed to throw smoke and shade out there at three? Like, I don't, I just didn't think anybody, like, was that desperate to get Stingley that couldn't wait until you know, pick eight or nine. Yeah. Like, it well, just I think that's, they, were trying to, the they were trying to create a trade market, I think is, is why they did that. And, and I, I, they were probably happy to take him if nobody decided they wanted to, to do it, but just trying to create a scenario where maybe they could have moved down and, yeah. and gotten a couple extra picks. I mean, it, look, it could be a great pick. Like he's obviously we talked about it yesterday a lot. Like you go back to his freshman year in 2019 at LSU and there was a lot of talent on the field right there immediately could do almost anything at that cornerback position. And then things didn't go well the last two years. Um, you know, they obviously had some internal issues at LSU. 
with you know all the coaching stuff with Ed Orgeron and like the talent deficiency from 2019 to 2020, yeah. but and COVID on top of that, you know, playing in that COVID season in 2020, but. I still, I said it yesterday, I think you said it too, like Sauce Gardner was the number one cornerback on both of our boards, but I mean, Sting was not bad, but it is, I mean, how wild is it that you had two cornerbacks taken in the top four yeah. picks? Yeah, and that's a testament to where the league has gone. I mean, when you look at uh, Trayvon Walker rushing the passer, Aiden Hutchinson rushing the passer, Stingley and Sauce defending the pass, Kayvon Thibodeau rushing the passer. I mean, the first five picks were dedicated to defensive players that help you shut down the passing game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's football, baby. It's what it is. I mean, this is the first time in the modern era yeah. that there were no running backs or tight ends taken in the first round. So like, obviously the shift is obvious where teams are at and looking forward for the future. Yeah. Which means we're two like two years away from it cycling back to heavy run games. Right. Right. To Jerome Bettis being the yeah. top 10 pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I really loved the the wide receiver run because that's where the draft really got wild, right? Um, Drake London goes at eight to the Atlanta Falcons. The New York Jets take Garrett Wilson at 10. And then all of a sudden, like the Saints trade up to 11. And Aaron, the fact that a quarterback hadn't been taken yet, to me was like, the Saints are going to take a quarterback here. They, they feel like they want to get the best quarterback on their board. So they trade up to 11. And then they take Chris Olave, and I was stunned. I was completely shocked that the Saints traded up and took Chris Olave there. And then at 12, Detroit trades all the way up from 32, and I thought, again, they're trading up to get a quarterback, somebody they really like that's still there at 12, and they feel like they need to go get him. And then it's Jamison Williams. And then uh, at 13, the Eagles move up, and at that point, I just literally had no idea what to expect, and we had had two teams in a row trade up for receivers, so I thought... Traylon Burks makes a lot of sense for Philadelphia, and that's one of their needs. Um, and they trade up, and then they take Jordan Davis. But ironically, Traylon Burks, the comp for him was A.J. Brown. A little bit later, they traded for A.J. Brown. So that stretch where the receiver run happened, I mean, not only the receiver run, but the drama that was attached to that with all those teams wheeling and dealing was incredible television. Yeah, a pretty cool uh, little tidbit that, you know, you see those three former Ohio State receivers go in three consecutive picks at, what, 10, 11, and 12 yeah. with uh, Wilson to the Jets, Olave to the Saints, and Jamison Williams to the Lions. Um, yeah, and the first seven picks kind of went exactly how you would have expected them to go. Obviously, in our mock draft yesterday, we we changed, we changed got a little wild. We took, you know, Malik Willis at six to yeah. Uh, the Panthers, but outside of that, like I mean, we pretty much nailed it um, with the with those guys going in the top seven. Kayvon Thibodeau just sne- snuck up a little bit. We originally had him going eight to Atlanta yesterday, but uh, I thought the Atlanta pick was good. I thought Drake London was a good pick. I had him going eleven to Washington, but I mean, Atlanta kind of snuck up a little bit there. I I, I mean, I don't know if I like him necessarily. In that system, uh, I mean, really, I mean, first off, they get Marcus Mario throwing to him right now, uh, assuming they don't take quarterback today. But yeah. um, good pick. I, honestly, like the first fifteen picks of the draft, all were good picks. Like I didn't look at any of the picks that were made and say, "Wow, what a questionable pick! What a dumb pick by by that team to take that guy in that spot." Now, once you got out of fifteen and got into the second half of the first round, it got 
it got a little crazy, but yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, sorry though, man, your NFC East is, uh, <laughs> two of the teams just absolutely killed it last yeah. night. Yeah. The, I, the, the giants, uh, going cave on Thibodeau and Evan Neal, with five and seven, I thought they crushed th- that opportunity. And then Philadelphia, like Jordan Davis was my favorite player in this draft. And I know that for some reason, like that position isn't valued as much as it used to be. And, you know, we see a, a, a much greater emphasis in the draft on the edge as opposed to the interior of the defensive line. But like if it's me and you ask me of all those defensive players, which one I think is going to have the best NFL career, I, I think it's going to be Jordan Davis. Like, at minimum, the guy I think is a Pro Bowler multiple times. At, at max, he's a, a, a you know a a a guy that we were like, look at this three hundred and fifty pound guy that does everything. I mean, sacks the quarterback, commands double teams, stops the run, like. Jordan Davis, my favorite player, and I hated the fact that the Eagles got him within the division, the arch rival. And then they they trade and get A.J. Brown, which, again, I said I thought they traded up at 13 where they took Jordan Davis for Traylon Burks because it made a lot of sense that he would fit what they have. They end up trading for A.J. Brown, who, again, is the – I mean, Traylon Burks' comp was A.J. Brown. I, I want to get your take on, on something because I thought it was really interesting um, – throughout really this offseason, but then again last night, like they trade for A.J. Brown, then they give him the big contract, right? They immediately have agreed on a contract extension. Where are you in terms of the just the overall philosophy on how much you want to pay a number one receiver? Um, well, for, I'll, I'll start with the Tennessee uh, situation specifically. I think it was absolutely stupid of the Titans to trade AJ Brown uh and then just draft his comp like a, a guy that's just comp to a guy that's already there and established and has proven to be a number one guy just pay him like who else is Tennessee wanting to pay who are they holding out money for in that yeah. roster it's an older roster like were they gonna pay Jeffrey Simmons they can't pay Jeffrey Simmons and uh AJ Brown who by the way I mean the extension he got from Philadelphia it's not like it was it insane he got 50 something million dollars guaranteed yeah i think like the uh, average a, over four years is 25 mil but again i mean the guaranteed I mean, money essentially is is yeah 58 million right so i mean you just don't eval- you don't value that player that much and the return first off the return and the return they got was i mean you got a return that was comparable to what hollywood brown brought in for baltimore yeah i mean those two dudes are on completely different levels uh, on the football field. Hollywood Brown's a fine player. Like, he has his ups and downs, obviously. But A.J. Brown is phenomenal and is a potential all-pro receiver any year that he's healthy. But it, it's absolutely dumb trade by Tennessee. One of my biggest losers last night. But as far as the contracts of the receivers, look, I mean, we've seen these dudes come in early now. Like, first used to, it used to take a receiver a couple of years before they really like settled in and yeah. like started flashing outside of like guys like Randy Moss or like an except uh, Anquan Bolton, like Hall of Fame caliber receivers. You didn't get rookie receivers that came in and immediately made impacts. Right. But that's obviously changed like over the past couple of years. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle last year, uh, Devontae Smith last year, um, uh, 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 J- uh, Jordan Jefferson in, in Minnesota. Like there's a lot of dudes that just come in and immediately make impacts. T. Higgins in Cincinnati the year before. Um, last this past season, so 
like these dudes are going into year one of their free agency or their first free agency, and they're already established themselves with you know two, three, four years of high caliber play. So you're just going to have to pay them because they have more leverage now than they ever had before going into their first deal of free agency. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this because I think when you look at like where quarterback contracts are and the amount of money you're going to have to pay a, a really good quarterback, like that takes up such a big piece of the pie in terms of your salary cap. And then you start to think about the other premium positions, tackle, corner, edge. Like, can you justify paying a receiver that amount if they're not like, here's the thing. Context matters, obviously. Like, if it is the elite of the elite, pay the money, right? Like, pay the money. But, like, is A.J. Brown Devontae Adams? No, but he could be. I mean, it, maybe. Look, I think A.J. Brown still, he's, how old is he right now? 25? Yeah, yeah, he's, what, three years into his, his career. But, I mean, you're... you're. He's 24. He'll be 24. 25 in June. But you're a year away, if you're Tennessee, from having to pay him big money as opposed to getting somebody on a rookie deal... And maybe he turns into that, but maybe he doesn't. I mean, that's that's the other side of this. Like, I think he's really good, and I think he's probably, like, I don't know, right around the 10 range, like borderline top 10 receiver in the league. Right. But is he a guy that, that, I mean, is going to completely change like a like a Tyreek Hill, like a Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, maybe throw Debo in there uh, just simply because of the way that San Francisco uses him, but... I don't put A.J. Brown quite in that that same category. Now, to your point about who else are they paying, that's where, you know, it makes sense. They don't have, like, the $50 million quarterback or the $40 million quarterback. They they don't have, like, an edge rush and a, a corner, the premium positions where they're paying elite money to the premium positions. So, again, context matters. I, I think Tennessee probably could have afforded to pay him because they don't have money dedicated to those other premium spots. But... I think in general, my philosophy probably is if you have premium players at those positions, probably go with the rookie as opposed to paying somebody, you know, unless they are the on the Mount Rushmore of, of that position group. I don't know that that I'd be super happy about it. Let me ask you this. So. And then the other side of that is, like, if the window is open to win, then who cares about two years down the road? Try to win today, you know? They were they were the number one seed last year. Well, yeah. Exactly. If they, well, I, they weren't the best team, but they were still the number one close. seed. Internally, they have to view themselves as a team that can compete, especially in that division. Like, there's absolutely no reason they can't win that division again and make it in the playoffs. They're not so, one of the best five teams in the AFC. Not even close. No. Okay. I From in our perspective, yes, Colby. But, like, internally, they they have to, like, view themselves – higher than you know we do i would there's i mean they'd be insane if they did it they have to believe in themselves but let me ask you this so dj moore mike williams amari cooper all average annuals of 20 million dollars would you not pay aj brown five million dollars more than amari cooper yeah for sure to have him okay so like yeah five million more but my my point is i don't know that i'd want to pay those guys that amount Again, if here's the, the like, market is what it is, the market like, is what it is. But my point is, in terms of team building, I, like I'm just asking for philosophy here. Like, I'm not saying those guys aren't worth it. I'm saying, is it financially responsible to dedicate that amount of the pie to a receiver when you know what the market is for quarterbacks, tackles, edge and corner? 
and and the production you can now get at receiver and every year the depth that we're seeing at that position come into the league like that the yeah. receiver position over the last 3 years has just been so loaded that I, I again I'm not saying those guys aren't good players or that they don't deserve it I'm saying if I'm building a team I'm seriously going to have like hard thought process long conversations about if I want to pay a receiver 20 to 25 million or spend that money at the quarterback tackle edge corner and get cheap play from receivers on rookie deals because of the the overall depth and the amount of players that are able to come in and help teams immediately now. So that's that, I, I that's all the, I'm saying. I think the depth point is the biggest argument for not paying them because it is like it's easier to get quality play out of receivers these days like you can I mean, how many receivers went in the first round last night? Six? Yeah, six. So, I will say that. But at, at the same time, when you watch the Super Bowl last year and you watch two teams, one led by Cooper Cup, who almost single-handedly carried that offense at times, and Jamar Chase, who came in immediately as a rookie, but immediately made a huge impact on that team winning ball games, And we dogged on Cincinnati last year for emphasizing taking a number one receiver over Panay Sewell with the, uh, I think it was like the fifth or sixth pick in the first round. And it worked out for them. And I think that. I mean, that's kind of the exception though, right? I mean, how many, how many teams make the Super Bowl having an offensive line that bad? Sure. We're talking about Cincinnati, right? Yeah. So I, I just think that, and where AJ Brown's out now, I know he had a little bit of a dip last year, but. I think you just have to evaluate these guys. If they can be like true number one guys at the receiver position, I think that's a premium position, not the receiver position necessarily as a whole, but like in a number one guy that can, you could just throw out on the outside and he just goes and makes plays like Devonte Adams, like a Stefan Diggs, uh, a Cooper cup. Like I'll pay those guys. Like I, I will a hundred percent pay a number one receiver, $25 million a year. $30 million. I, I don't think Tyreek Hill's overpaid at $30 million a year. I think that it's probably a good, I don't know about a good value. but Well, again, Tyreek Hill's the elite. I'm not talking about the elite. Well, I know, but we're talking about A.J. Brown. Yeah, I, I, do you, you think A.J. Brown's on the same tier as Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams? No, but I think he's well, that's, probably yeah, that's a little bit point. below at $25 million a year. I mean, you just mentioned Jamar Chase. Like, Jamar Chase is a rookie on a rookie deal. T. Higgins is in year number two. Like that, my point is, you can still get insanely great production from that position on rookie contracts, as opposed to paying somebody twenty to twenty-five million dollars. Now, again, like my exception is, if you have a Tyree Killer or Devonte Adams, the elite of the elite, then pull the trigger. But for the next tier of guys, like I don't know, man. It, like obviously, everything is situational, and and situationally, teams are in different spots, so. I'm not saying that this is just a blanket statement where I would never do it. I'm just saying in terms of just having a philosophy, like I, I think I probably lean toward taking rookie deals at the receiver position than paying somebody big money simply because of where the other premium positions are financially as well. It's not as easy to just go find a tackle if you need a tackle, it's not as easy to just go find an edge rusher and get production there or corner for that matter. Those are really tough positions to find good players at. Like you can't just go draft one and it's going to work out. 
the receiver position, I think, over the last three years has shown that it's way easier to find a guy to just come in immediately and have production. So again, everything has context to it. It's not a blanket statement, but I think like philosophy wise, I probably lean toward um, you can still find good playmakers as pass catchers without having to pay them 20 to $25 million. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, your position is uh, definitely a convoluted conversation because I mean, yeah, like, it goes so many ways and there's yeah. so many ways you could play it and be successful at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, my way is not the right way by any means. I just, it, you know, I, what we've seen in the draft the last few years at that position, how many players step on the field and immediately have production and just where contracts across the board have gone. Um, it just, you know, it, it has my wheels turning in terms of like, what's the best way to build a team if you are, you know, considering everywhere you have to spend money. And yeah, I mean, if you have a Devontae Adams, you pay Devontae Adams the money. Like it's, that's not even a conversation to me. Uh, but you know, that next tier of guys, like it's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, again, context matters, but in most cases, if I'm if I'm looking at having to pay the other premium positions big money, the receiver position is probably the one that I'm not going to pay, and I'm going to go get somebody in the draft. Yeah, especially this year. I mean, yeah, the wide receiver class this year is as deep as it's ever been, and we said that last year <laughs> yeah. about that position. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, and we're going to preview the day two guys here in a minute. Um, other picks in the first round. Uh, it, did anything else really surprise you? I guess like. When when the Steelers were on the board at twenty, like we all knew that's the that was a quarterback landing spot. Um, I had heard a lot of reports that they loved Malik Willis, but didn't think that he was going to be available to them. Um, ultimately, Kenny Pickett was their guy, and uh, you know they get the the hometown product, I guess. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Cole Strange going at twenty nine was wild. Did you see the uh, Did you see the clip of Sean McVay and Les Snead? Yes, so uh, good. Wow, well, we thought we were gonna get him at one hundred and one or whatever it was. What's like, what's Les Snead's phrase? Fuck them picks. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, literally. And uh, I guess Bill is working as well. I don't know. That was that was a wild pick. Uh, Dax Hill falling to thirty one was a little surprising to me. I really uh, did not think that like Kyer Elam and uh, Trent McDuffie would go before Dax Hill, but I mean, great pickup by Cincinnati. I think that's a yeah a good pick at thirty one. Honestly, like I like the uh, I like the pick at twelve of Jamison Williams to the Lions, but I almost think they might have been better off just staying at thirty two and thirty four. Yes, and getting Malik Willis at thirty two or thirty four, or just getting and, two players in general right. to help that yes. team. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they could have walked away with uh, one of the court. They could have walked away with Malik Willis and. Uh, you know, Christian Watson's still available. Yeah. Um, or like John Me yeah. Nicobe Dean. Or you could get George Pickens. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would have done that, but and I love I, I, I think Jamison Williams is my wide receiver one. Same. But to trade I mean, they just could have stayed in those two picks. They could have three picks in the top thirty four. And for <laughs> a team like Detroit, that's probably way more valuable than having two in the top twelve. Especially with when you take a receiver at twelve, as good as Jameson Williams is, we just had a conversation about the depth of receiver yeah, in, in football these days. Like it just, like it, it makes sense for like, it makes more sense for New Orleans to take a receiver at eleven and trade up to take a receiver because their roster's not that bad. Like they, they do. That's do, a good team. They, yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little bit surprising. I still like what the Lions did, like to walk over James Williams and Aiden Hutchinson. It's like that's that's pretty good, but yeah. I think it could have been a little bit better. Um, the Packers like flubbed it. I, I and I know that there was a run of receivers before the Packers pick at twenty eight, but I mean when you see those three receivers go consecutively at ten, eleven, and twelve, I mean you got to start making phone calls. You got to move up a little bit to take a receiver because. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's little draft show yesterday, and Aaron Rodgers said that he had absolutely no idea that Devontae Adams was getting traded when he agreed to come back. Wow. Like, that was not a conversation that was had at all. He was completely caught off guard by it. And so, I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, they, I mean, they fleeced me. Like, I'm thinking I'm coming back. I'm getting two more years with, with Devontae Adams or at least one more year. They trade him to to Vegas, and then we're in the first round, and we miss out on another receiver in the first round. And again, the depth conversation comes back into play. And uh, he, Aaron Rodgers even uh, talked about it with uh, Pat McAfee that Green Bay has a history of making good wide receiver selections in the second and third round, mentioning guys like uh, you know Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and um, Donald Driver, and so like. It's still possible they could get him a receiver, but just to not be aggressive in that first round for me was a little bit of an L for Green Bay. And Devontae Wyatt is great, but he's not going to be a difference maker for that team next year. Well, I think at 22, they probably thought that they were going to get one of those six guys, at least one of them. And then it just, you know, probably worked out where all of a sudden, like the run starts and then they probably start. I mean, I would I would guess they probably started making phone calls. And, you know, by the time all that happened, like they were all gone. So there were six receivers off the board before they even picked at 22. Like I thought for sure they were at least going to have the option of a couple of those guys. Um, like at that point, like I thought I think George Pickens would be great there. I think Christian Watson would be great there as well. Um, at that point, though, like. Could you still maybe get those guys in the second round? And look, they have two picks in the second round, so maybe they're able to trade up in the second round and grab one of those uh, pass catchers. But again, there's so much depth. I mean, maybe you just use multiple picks on day three and four to get pass catchers. Uh, But their defense is going to be sick, man. They had Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Um, You know, we saw the... um, Who was the Michigan uh, rusher that they... Rashawn Gary... Mm-hmm. Uh, really took off last season. I mean, you know, Jerry Alexander's a terrific player. Like, that defense is really nice, and I, I still think they're going to have an opportunity to get a, a big pass catcher, but it was, uh, you know, w- any of the guys they could have taken at 22 or 28, they might still be able to get at some point in the second round. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe John Meachie's there at, at yeah. 51, or not 51, at uh, 53. Um I'll be shocked if Christian Watson's still around that late, but because Houston needs a receiver at 37, the Giants need help yeah. a receiver. Tennessee, I mean, I don't think Tennessee goes another another receiver at 35, but I mean, there's a lot of teams in between that could use some receiver right. help. But yeah, it, it wasn't even necessarily as much as the pick, like just not. I mean, it's just I mean that's kind of what they do, right? They yeah. just don't give Aaron Rodgers help in the first round. Oh, of course, yeah. Like we all should have known. Uh, and and then again, part of it is all six of the receivers were gone. So, uh, you know, it, like to some degree, I'm like their hands were kind of tied. Um, you mentioned the Cole Strange pick. Like if that had been the Raiders, 
or if that had been like the Lions, right? We are laughing our asses off and all of us are making fun of them throughout the entire weekend, right? Like their grade is going mm-hmm. to be a giant oh, yeah. F. Because it's Bill Belichick, like I, I was like, Cole Strange, like I, I had him as like a, a, you know, like round three, maybe even day three guy. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on Cole Strange out of Tennessee Chattanooga, but I have watched some of Cole Strange. And I mean, it nothing to me stood out to the point that I was like round one guy. Uh, so the fact that it's Belichick is the only reason I'm not like, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, it was my argument for them taking Dax Hill at 21, right? Like Belichick, like he'll take the best guy on his board in the first round. Yeah. Like he's not going to draft based on positional need. He's going to draft the guy that he thinks is going to be the best player for his football team that's available at that time. And he obviously did that because, I mean, Cole Strange was the, and that was the only board he was number one on at that point. Um, I am curious. Like, I would love to see like their draft board, what it looked like at pick twenty-seven, or to or to see how many names were crossed off before Cole Strange was there. Yeah. Like, if he was up there as like a top, you know, twenty guy on their board, or if like literally their first twenty-seven guys were just taken off the board at that point, outside of Kenny Pickett. So uh, that's interesting to me, but. Uh, what do they pick again? They, I know they did. Oh man, they don't 54. have fifty-four. They definitely could have gotten Cole Strange at fifty-four. I, I would think so. Yes. <laughs> they probably could have waited until eighty-five. Yeah, but maybe. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At that point, you might be pushing it a little bit, like you're taking a risk. But yeah, I mean, at, at, if you liked him, I I would have bet that he's still there at fifty-four. But hey, I mean, like you said, it's we we know better by now than to question uh, Belichick and you know drafting and whatever he yeah. does. So it was still wild though. Like I, they, 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 he wasn't even in my on my radar last night, or anybody's really. How about Hollywood to Arizona? I, I think I have a couple thoughts on this. First. Like, they desperately needed speed at that receiver position, especially when they lost Christian Kirk in free agency. Um, so I like the fit in terms of what he is and, and what he would mean to that offense overall. Um, the fact that they got they traded the number, what, 23 overall pick for Marquise Brown to me is mind-blowing. And, I like, I made the joke last night on Twitter like the Chiefs and the Packers didn't get enough for Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill if Hollywood Brown is is getting traded for the number 23 overall pick. So he uh, was the number 25 pick in the 2019 yeah. NFL draft. Have you seen enough from Marquise Brown in three years to think that his value has risen? No. <laughs> no. I mean, unless you like, you know, Guys dropping wide open passes. Dude, listen to this. So I know there uh, were other picks involved. Once a game and then, you know, missing three or four games a year. Yeah, exactly. I know there were other picks involved, but the first round pick that Green Bay got for Devontae Adams was number 22 overall. The first round pick that Kansas City got for Tyreek Hill was number 29 overall. Like, I, again, there were other picks attached to that, but like Hollywood for the 23rd pick? 
it's wild. Uh, I mean, and apparently, like this deal was done before the draft yesterday. Apparently, yeah. like, uh, like they had there, the Cardinals had flown Hollywood out to Phoenix yesterday for their draft party. Yeah. So he was there before the, dr- the draft started, before the trade was ever announced. Like this had been in place well before yeah. uh, it was announced yesterday, and. I mean, I like it. Look, I think it's I think it's a good fit for 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 Hollywood Brown to go into Arizona, you know, be reunited with uh, Kyler Murray, who he has success with on the field and has proven he can have chemistry with. But yeah, I mean, it's I mean, overpaid, right? Like as easy as it is to find wide receivers at this point in football, which has been the theme of our conversation today. Yeah. You trade a first round pick. You you trade a higher first round pick than what the guy was taken at. Yeah. And his value has not risen whatsoever. That's right. That's absolutely right. Like, again, I love the fit for him in Arizona. I think it's going to work for Kyler Murray. I think it's going to be a good fit for Hollywood Brown. The speed element that he brings to that offense, I think is going to be terrific, but I think they massively overpaid for him to that point. And like Aaron, when I saw what the Titans got for AJ Brown as maybe as irresponsible as that trade might've been, what, the Ravens got for Hollywood. Like I was so depressed last night thinking that the Dallas Cowboys, all they could get for Amari Cooper was a fifth. Like what an embarrassment that front office is to not get more than a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. Like what the hell are you guys doing? Idiots. Hey, uh, Cleveland. That's just me being uh, an angry fan, but. Hey, Cleveland. It's Jerry here. Um, uh, Were you interested in giving up your fifth for Amari Cooper? (coughs) Yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, I don't know, Jerry. It might be a. Can you do a six? I, I'm holding steady at five. <laughs> All right, deal. Okay, twist my oh, arm. Well, what? We'll, we're gonna do you a solid, Jerry. We'll, we'll give you that fifth. It's gonna hurt us, but so painful. Yeah, that's brutal. But um, I, I look to me the Arizona thing with Hollywood like that just reeks of a front office that is desperate and they are feeling the pressure from Kyler yes. and everything that's been said this offseason and they're thinking oh we could take a receiver at you know 23 possibly or you know whatever or we could trade for a guy that Kyler played with in college and their friends so yeah. maybe Kyler will make him a little bit happier in the locker room because to me, it's just not a it's not a savvy front office move by any means. It's, again, as yeah. good of a fit as you might be in that offense, you could have done better or you could have gotten a guy in the second round or at 23 that would have been just as fine of a fit as Marquise Brown. Yeah, I agree. Let, I want to walk you through my feelings on the Dallas Cowboys last night because, I mean, this this is why the draft is so great. This time yesterday, I told you there was a really good chance that Tyler Smith was going to be the pick. I had heard several things that that Dallas loved him. And again, it makes sense because they're going to need a tackle very soon. He projects to be a tackle, but they immediately need a left guard. And he will be a day one starter at left guard. And he plays angry and violent. He's going to be a great run blocker. Like it's it's He is the perfect fit for their quote-unquote need. Uh, so this time yesterday, if you said Tyler Smith is the pick, I'm, I'm overjoyed. I think it's a home run. So fast forward to last night, Dallas Cowboys are on the clock at 24 and Jermaine Johnson is on the board. Aaron Devin Lloyd is on the board. 
I think Jermaine Johnson's one of the 10 best players in this draft. I think Devin Lloyd is probably one of the best 10 players in this draft. So, like, I went from, I love Tyler Smith, to, I still love Tyler Smith, but I I rate those other guys really high. So there was, like, this mixed emotion from me where, like, I was somewhat disappointed that they passed on two defensive players that I think are really great players and could have had a massive impact to go for a need. Although, like, even today, like, I love the pick. I love Tyler Smith for the Dallas Cowboys, and I think he's going to be awesome, and it's a great pick, but I still am somewhat, like, one of the reasons that they've done so well over the last decade is because they haven't drafted for need, and they've taken the best player available I mean, for a decade, they've had a massive amount of success taking the best player available. Last night, they went need over best player available in my mind. I mean, I would have a hard time believing that they they had Tyler Smith above Devin Lloyd and uh, Jermaine Johnson, but that's the way they went. I love the pick. I think it's going to be a great pick. I think it's going to work out well. But when you look at what they've done over, I mean, let's go back to 2010. 2010, Des Bryant. 2011, Tyron Smith. Then Morris Claiborne, who was average. Travis Frederick. Zach Martin. Byron Jones. Zeke Elliott. Big miss on Taco Charlton. Leighton Vander Esch. Like, he had a couple good seasons, and then he's been really hurt a lot. Then 19, they traded for Amari Cooper. Then CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons. I mean, like, 90% of those. I mean, they've hit home runs almost every year where those guys have turned into pro bowlers. And again, I think Tyler Smith is going to be a great player, but they went need, I think, instead of just saying, hey, Jermaine Johnson and Devin Lloyd are the best players here, even though we may not need another linebacker, for example. Like, I, I, I'm i kind of torn on how I feel about the way they did it, but again, I love Tyler Smith, the player. Yeah, uh, a couple of questions for you. First off, any uh, concern over Tyler Smith being... Extremely heavily penalized uh, at, at college and joining the Cowboys, who are the most penalized team in the NFL. <laughs> a little bit, yes. And like he's going to play the position that Connor Williams played a year ago, who was a, a very highly penalized guy. So uh, you're still probably going to have some of that. I will say, him playing on the interior as opposed to the edge probably cuts down on some of that. And that's, again, that's one of the reasons it's a good pick is because you want to develop him into a tackle where he's going to play outside on an island a little bit more, but you're able to play him at guard immediately and work on that aspect of his game. So it's a little bit of a concern, but I'm not like terrified by it. And uh, you mentioned some guys that were available there that you would have liked, like a Jermaine Johnson what about like a Dax Hill? Like if Dax Hill puts on 10, 15 pounds of muscle, like I, I think he could have easily just slid into that role of like a Keanu Neal guy yeah. in that Cowboys defense. It's super, super versatile uh, behind the versatility of Micah Parsons. And you've got two guys that can just play all over the field on your yeah. defense at both levels. I, uh, this is kind of a funny one because I, yes, I love Dax Hill, and I would have loved for that to be the pick, but Dallas doesn't value that position. Safety, obviously. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, right yeah, I mean, it's it's proven over like a long period of time that they don't value that position like that. So, like when I was even thinking about what picks I liked, like that never even entered my mind. 
that that was a possibility. Or Lewisine, for example. Like I, I'm not yeah. saying I would have liked Lewisine over Tyler Smith, but I like Lewisine a lot. Like there's just no way the Dallas Cowboys are ever taking a safety in the first round. They're never yeah. going to do it. They don't spend money in free agency on that position. They don't use big draft capital at that position. It's just one of those that they don't value. So. I, while I love Dax Hill, like I, that's I just never even thought that was a possibility. Yeah, I mean you got J. Ron Curse and Donovan Wilson, two you know elite level safeties back there. Curse so. was incredible last year. He and was they, good, and I they actually did pay him a little bit of money, and they got him for nothing a year ago. But he was he was awesome. I mean, he was one of the better safeties in the NFL last season. And Malik Hooker. Uh, it, in that second, you know, back there's a backup too. I, I mean, I guess their I guess their safety position isn't the worst, you know. But I mean, two years ago it was the worst. Last year it, it made massive. Well, I mean, that was kind of the whole Cowboys yeah. defense, though, right? That's right. Yes, that's right. They were historically so bad. Pretty, yeah. But well, let's let's talk day two, man. Um, we have the rounds two and three tonight. Only one quarterback went. So I mean, if you are in the quarterback market, I mean, I think we could see four. In the second round, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, uh, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell, I think, all go in round two tonight. And, I mean, we may see some teams potentially um, wheeling and dealing at the beginning of the second round to, to grab these guys. I'll be really interested to see if teams work to move up and get them at the beginning of, of round two or if everybody's just happy to stay where they are and pull the trigger if those guys are available or or go in another direction if they aren't. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, does Malik Willis make it past 33? Past, ooh, past Tampa? I think that Tampa has the chance to win a Super Bowl this year, especially in a down NFC. That to me, like, go get a player that's going to help you. Yeah, they need uh interior offensive line. Secondary help. Could secondary help could use some help on the defensive line. Yeah. yeah. I think there's probably a conversation being had though in that front office. I mean, if Malik Willett, like a guy that needs some time to sit behind Tom Brady for a year. Yeah. Obviously, wouldn't be like the, I mean, Andrew Booth's still available. Nicobe Dean's there. Like their linebackers are pretty set, but still, like if you're taking just a best available guy, um, the defensive end, that kid out of uh, Penn State, still available. Uh, the oh, defensive Arnold end, Arnold Yes, I'm Ebicady. a huge then, fan of him, man. He is he's awesome. Yeah, there's just there's still too much defensive talent on the board right now Agreed. at 33. Agreed. That, like you said. They're in a one-year window to win a Super Bowl right now, so fun conversation to have, though. I mean, I mean, he's right there. I don't. I mean, do you think that? I, I there's no way that uh, Malik Willis. Sorry, brain. I had a brain fart. There's no way that Malik Willis makes it past 41, though, right? I can't imagine he. Well, see, Seattle has 40 and 41. Yeah. Um, I guess unless they like Ritter or Corral better, for example, or Sam Howell, but um, like, let's just look at this. It, it, barring a trade, let's look at the possible landing spots. Tampa, no. Minnesota, no. no. Tennessee, I mean, there was there were Maybe. conversations that they would consider it. Because um, at some I mean, they're point, they're clearly they're clearly kind of looking at their team roster as a 
we need to kind of reevaluate. Yes. Yeah, so I think Tennessee is a possibility. I think the Giants is a possibility, but I think they're going to go more team building with this pick, and then maybe they could swing around and take one a little bit later, but I don't know that I think that they would pull the trigger at 36. Houston, no. Jets, no. Chicago, no. Uh, Seattle at 40 and 41, those back-to-backs, I, I very much could see them pulling the trigger, or in fact, I do think they will pull the trigger on one there. Indy, no. Atlanta, maybe. Cleveland at 44, no. Baltimore, 45, no. Detroit at 46, maybe. I think it depends who's on the board at 46. Probably, yeah. Washington at 47, maybe. Uh, then it's back to Chicago. Uh, the Saints potentially could at 49. Then you have Kansas City, no. Philadelphia, no. Pittsburgh, no. Green Bay, no. Pats, no. Cardinals, no. Cowboys, no. Bills, no. Then we're back to Atlanta, maybe. Packers, no. Bucks again at 60. San Francisco at 61, no. Chiefs, Bengals, and Broncos to close out the second round. So I mean, there's, I mean, we're talking about what four teams in that second round. Yeah, it could be a landing spot for a quarterback realistically. Yep. I mean, the Cowboys pick at 56. They don't need a quarterback, so I hope all of those quarterbacks go before the Cowboys pick, just so it moves more players down the board. But yeah, 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 that would. <laughs> That would be beneficial for the Cowboys yeah. to have four picks that are wasted on quarterbacks. Yeah. How about uh, back-to-back years that the Big 12 has not had a player taken in the first round? But they're Billy Colby. They're the best football conference in the in the, in the nation. Tulsa, I mean, I think the University pretty... of Tulsa has had back-to-back seasons with a Tulsa Golden Hurricane taken, Zayvon Collins and Tyler Smith, and the Big 12 has zero in that same time period. Is it more detri- Is it more of a detrimental statement about OU or about the conference? Like, which is more shocking that the Big Twelve hasn't? I mean, obviously Oklahoma falls into this category, but if I told you that one of the eleven, nine other teams in the Big Twelve had a first round pick, or OU had a first round pick, which would be more likely in your head? I mean, I would most of the time I would say OU. They've also they're they're just coming off of a run where they've had like number one overall picks and quite a few first rounders. So generally, yeah. there is a little bit of a cycles through, yeah. A, a you know a cycle where you you're gonna have a, a couple of down years before you're right back there. Uh, but unless you're Alabama, unless you're Alabama, yeah, Alabama's the exception, um, or maybe Georgia at this point, but. Yeah, back-to-back seasons, no Big 12 player has been taken. I would imagine Brees Hall is probably grabbed within the top uh, 10 or so picks. Uh, what? I mean, is there Petre? Is that his Jalen Petre? Is it Petre? Yeah. Petre probably going in the second round of safety. I think uh, uh, Perry on Winfrey and Nick Winfrey. Benito are both going to go in the second round, too. And then I think, you know, from the Big 12, Brian oh, Osamoa is probably round three would be my guess. Uh, maybe Tyquan Thornton after his blazing 40 at the Combine, probably uh round three guy, I would guess. Malcolm Rodriguez, I, there's a chance round three, but I've heard more round four on him. Uh, what? Do, let me ask you about a, a Tulsa. What about Josh Johnson? Think Man, he's I, I really like round? him, but I think he's day three. 
He's A3. Okay. Yeah. Like, I was at his pro day, and he is so smooth, man. Like, when he, like, he just runs routes and catches the football, and it just looks so natural. Like, it's, it, it just, he makes it look easy. Like, it doesn't look like he's trying too hard to run and cut and catch the ball. And it's just all very fluid. And especially at the, like receiver and corner positions when, when they do that stuff and it, it doesn't look like rigid. I I'm just a big fan of it. And um, yeah, I think he could be a, a nice get on day three, a, uh, a steal, if you will. Yeah. I, I, think know, so too. You, I mean, he's speaking of receivers, like I, you know, the, the top three guys tonight obviously are, are sky Moore, Christian Watson, and George Pickens. And I like all three of those guys. I don't know that the next guy for me isn't Danny Gray from SMU. I really like Danny Gray. Yeah, I mean, he would, you know, SMU's kind of building a little bit of a reputation for producing some uh, wide receiver talent at the NFL. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that he would be like fourth on my board necessarily. Um I like Calvin Austin a little bit. I mean, he's he's I like, a little smaller. I like him too. Yeah, he's a slot guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think in today's NFL teams, he's going three and four wide so much that he could easily be productive. Oh yeah, yeah um, I'm a big fan of Calvin Austin. Yeah, uh, I like Mechie. Honestly, Alec Pierce. A guy that I think is going to be a steal is Justin Ross. Like I, I know that he kind of didn't have the production at Clemson last year that he, you know, yeah. the last couple of years that you know a lot of people wanted, but. I mean, just from what I saw his freshman year in 2019, like I think there's potential there, and he's six four, like he's a big dude. Um, he's athletic. Like I think that I, I, there is a point where you might, I think teams will reach on him, like if he goes above like in the 60. I think that might be a little bit of a reach, but if you get him after 60, I think that I think that could be a steal for a team. I think I wouldn't touch him on day two. I mean, I, I don't know that really? I'd even touch him like in the early part of day three. Like to me, he is a round six, round seven guy. Wow. And it's it's everything you said about him is accurate, but he's a big guy that'll go up and, and try and get the football. But um, I think the speed is a big question. The route running is a big question. Can he get separation? Uh, at the next level, like I think all of those things come into play where like I, I think he's worth a gamble um, to, to pull the trigger on. But I think there are so many more receivers that are are further along in terms of how polished they are and how how much more seamless the transition would be to the NFL. The separation thing is an issue. Um, yeah. because I mean, if you can't separate in college, I mean, it's going to be tough to separate in the NFL, the route running thing. I think that, I think that if you are in the right situation and right coaching, like, I think you can become better at route running. I think that's a learnable skill, but yeah, the separation thing that, that I mean, that's tough. Maybe he's just a red zone guy, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, 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 I'm not saying I wouldn't like, like for, for example, like if the Cowboys took him later I, I i would like the you know the gamble to see if it works out but um I, yeah. I i would not be a fan of that on day two at all or even the early part of day charleston three. rambo do anything for you who charleston rambo former obviously ou receiver uh i mean 
again, maybe like round seven or, I mean, undrafted free agent, like you're able oh, to get him yeah. into camp and see see how that goes. But I, I don't think he would be uh, toward the top of, I mean, there's probably like 15, 20 guys that I think probably slot above him. Yeah. All right. Let me, uh, all right, my last wide receiver question for you. You, uh, let's say you're, I don't know, the Texans, whatever, at 36, just to throw a team out there. John Meachie or George Pickens? Pickens. Okay. Mechie's also coming off of a, uh, is it, what did he, ACL? I'm trying to remember what, what his, or was it Jamison Williams had the ACL and maybe Mechie had something different, but Mechie's coming he... off of an injury also. And look, Pickens is like 6'4 and ran a 4-4-1, I believe, 40, and has great hands. Yeah. Like, I, I know that there's the, you know, he didn't play a lot. He had some injury issues, and there's a little bit of the off-the-field conversation with him. But, like, I, Pickens, I think, is a first-round talent. Yeah, Mechie tore his ACL okay. in the uh, semifinal. You, so you think, you think, I mean, Mechie's obviously very good, but you think he's getting a little bit of that Alabama fluff? Especially I don't think it's Alabama fluff as much as like I, I just don't think he's uh, like he's like fringe top ten in this class to me. Which again, this is a deep class and a really good class. I just mm -hmm. I just don't have Mechie. Like six of them went last night, and then my next group is Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens. So there's nine, and then I think after that, Mechie's in the conversation for the next guy. Mech like. Then the next group after the nine is, I think, in some order, like Alec Pierce from Cincy, um, Mechie, uh, maybe Jalen Tolbert, um, Calvin Austin, who you mentioned a minute ago, Danny Gray. Like, I think the, those guys are right in that next tier where you could probably make an argument for all those guys to be number 10. Yeah. You, uh, you think we see more than four running backs taken today? Oh, I mean, obviously, I think it's four. It's probably Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, the first two, then James Cook and Isaiah Spiller. That would be the four I would I would predict if four go. We'll for sure see two, and then you know, again, this is this is another one where because this running back class is so deep, and you probably are going to have like twenty five great options to choose from on day three. Like, do you really want to spend a third round pick? Like, if you're a team in round three, seeing where you can get starters in a lot of positions, would you want to use a three on Isaiah Spiller or go get another guy that potentially is a starter for you and still be able to get a productive running back in, uh, you know, in rounds four, five, six, and seven? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, once Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are off the board, it's kind of, you're, you're not getting, I don't know, maybe James Cook could transition into him. I I honestly, I don't know that much about James Cook, like overall game outside of what I saw in the playoffs. But like, I, maybe he's, I mean, he's more of a pass catching guy, he's more yeah. of a third down back, right? More so, of a third down back. I think he can run between the tackles, but I mean, is he physically capable of doing that over a long period of time? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, and and again, there's just like it's it's not even as much about questioning how good James Cook is as like. 
there's like 25 guys that will be available on day three that I think are more than serviceable running backs at the next level. For sure. Yeah. I mean, is there that much of a difference between a guy like James Cook or and like Damian Pierce or right. Jerome Ford or right. Ty Rashad Chandler? Rashad White. Yeah. Abram Smith. Can it, I'm like, I saw projections where Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Warren don't even get drafted. Which is wild. Like I, I have, I pretty much every scouting report I've read on Kennedy Brooks is that he's a undrafted free yeah, agent. Exactly. And I, I, I get it. Like the athleticism thing, the speed thing is like, I guess the big holdup. I think if he goes to his own run scheme though, it's, or even, I mean, I, I guess, I guess Lincoln Riley run ran gap and zone. So yeah, Either way, but I think he probably a little bit better in a zone where he can just have time to find the holes because that's I mean, that's what made him great, in my opinion, OU was his his patience and his field vision. So, yep, in the right system, I think he could make an NFL roster. Of for course, sure, but. like he could make an NFL roster and you could po- and you might not even have to spend a draft pick on him. I, yeah. Jalen Warren, I think same thing could make an NFL roster. You might not even have to use a pick on him like Abram Smith from Baylor is a guy that I've seen projected on day three or undrafted um you just don't you know Devonte price from florida international tyler goodson from iowa um i mean the byu kid und- tyler algier uh pierre strong from south dakota state zamir white from georgia uh is it kyron williams from notre dame yeah like kyron this williams. class is stupid and there's not like the you know, the Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott type of guy in this class, maybe. But, like, there's 25 guys that could play for NFL teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like we're talking about quarterbacks or receivers or linebackers. Like, an undrafted running back being productive and being a starter. Happens every year. <laughs> yeah. Happens every year. Elijah Mitchell last year, right? He was undrafted for San Francisco. I th- he was. I think he was a late a six pick. round. Yeah, he was a six round pick. Yeah. But I mean, he drafted Trey Sermon before him, and I know Trey Sermon had some injury issues, but I mean, it was Elijah Mitchell taking over that job. I actually liked Elijah Mitchell better than Trey Sermon. Like after I watched his film at Louisiana. Well, I mean, obviously it worked. I mean, from what we've seen in the NFL, yeah. that seems to be the case. James Robinson but, I mean, was undrafted, wasn't he? Drafted, yeah. Yes, yes. James Robinson. Yeah. Arian Foster is probably one of the best-known cases of undrafted running backs being produ- productive in the NFL. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, there's just yeah. there's so much depth at that position uh, that, yeah. Again, I, I, I don't like paying running backs, and I don't like using big-time draft capital on running backs. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's nothing you can't – there's nothing you could say that would make me think that Kennedy Brooks couldn't get four yards of carry in Kyle Shanahan's system. Yeah, agreed. And I'll tell you another position. I mean, you, you mentioned these two positions together earlier, running back and tight end. Like, I don't like any of these tight ends on day two. Not that I don't think they're good players, but there's not – a there's not a difference to me a massive difference from like the best tight end to like the fifth best tight end to the point that I would want to spend a day two pick on that like if I yeah, need I a mean, tight end I am 100% waiting until day three and then again there's like there's like 10 to 15 guys that like how much difference is there really I don't think there's a ton because like here's the thing I mean tight ends are so underutilized in in the college game anyway yeah. like I heard Daniel Jeremiah talking about this a couple weeks ago, and it's spot on. Like with the tight end position, especially, you're drafting measurables 
because in college, nobody puts an emphasis on throwing the football to the tight end. So production from these guys is all over the place. Well, also, too, I mean, first off, I think probably Trey McBride's probably the first tight end taken. I think there's a little bit of a separation between him and, like, a, a Greg Dulcich. Dulcich, Dulcich yeah. or Dulcich. Maybe a little bit, but again, I don't think it's so much that I would want to use a, a day two pick. But in in today's NFL, if I'm drafting a tight end, he's got to be able to play in the slot. Like, I'm not using a top three pick as far as rounds go on a tight end if I can't line him up in the slot. Like, if he... If he has to be a, a Pat Fryer move, he's not worth a pick in the first three rounds to me. He has to be able to play like a Mark Andrews yeah. or a Travis Kelsey or a Kyle Pitts. He has to be able to line up in the slot or outside. Like I have to be able to move him around. Yeah, and I don't know that Trey McBride is even a guy that is going to be as good as those guys. So why would I take him in the second round when like, you have Dulcich, you have Jelani Woods, Jeremy Ruckert, uh, Daniel Bellinger, Isaiah Likely, I mean, give me Charlie Kohler in day three. I would yeah. be I would be ecstatic if the Cowboys got Charlie Kohler in day three. Yeah, rooting for. I, I will say though, uh, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but I am rooting for uh, Grant Calcaterra to sneak onto a uh, a roster yeah. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, Grant, would you rather have Grant Calcaterra in the sixth or spend a day two pick on Trey McBride? I don't even think you need to get Calcutta in the six. I think you probably just sign him after the draft. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, ESPN right now has him as a 16th ranked tight end available. Exactly, which I guess is all of them. But yeah, yeah. would you rather have like Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin in the sixth, or spend a, a three day two pick on like Trey McBride or Greg Dulcich? Yeah, there's, like just, it, there's no way you could talk me into drafting any of these tight ends. No, unless somebody I, is I like Kyle it, Pitts. Yeah. yeah, and teams just don't run as much anymore. So, like, the tight ends lost value in run blocking. So, unless you're George Kittle, but George Kittle also lines up on the outside yeah. and is a great route runner and one of the best pass catchers in the NFL, regardless of position. So, like, if you can't be another receiver for me on third down, then it just – there's not that much value there. Yeah. It's like a running back. Like they've essentially lost all – like, just like running backs – their value has plummeted over the past five years. Yeah. All right. Give me players that you, uh, you like that are still available. Cause I like last night, as soon as the draft was over, I started like positionally writing down names or typing names, uh, that I, I liked. And I ended up getting to like, I don't know, 75 players. <laughs> Wow. So uh, I don't have 75 for you. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to give you the top end of that, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Obviously, Nicobe Dean's like the best available on the board. I don't even think that there's, from a talent perspective, I don't think there's a conversation for anybody being at Nicobe Dean's level. I mean, he was like top twenty on most big boards, and I don't know what I don't know why he fell. I, do people? I mean, is he, do people think he's undersized or something? I, I just don't understand. I think it's more position than not liking Nicobe Dean. Yeah, because Devin Lloyd, Aaron didn't go till what twenty seven. Uh, yeah, the Jacksonville. Uh, but I love Nicobe Dean. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Booth's good. I, I really like Brees Hall. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. I'm a little concerned about the mileage, but a team that's going to take a running back day two is a team that is only one or two pieces away from winning a Super Bowl, like a Buffalo, who I thought he was going to take him yesterday, but they ended up taking uh, 
Kyer Elam, but you know, Brees Hall fits into a winning team. Yeah. Like a Clyde Edwards Elair going to Kansas City or a Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh. Like he's going to a team that's good yeah. today. So I like him fitting in. Um, you mentioned the uh, – I'll never be able to say his name. The Arnold uh, – Ebicady. Ebicady. Yeah. What is up with these Penn State pass rushers just having the hardest names to say like the last <laughs> couple of years? Uh, I like him. Uh, I really like Christian Watson. I think there's a little bit of concern for me playing at North Dakota State. Um, but 6'4", 208, 208, like super fast for that size and like good hands. I like him. Um I like Kenneth Walker too. Like I, I think if you're a team that's just looking for a guy that can be a first and second down back and get you four yards and be physical, like he, I think he's a good pick. Uh, I'm not super high on any of the quarterbacks, honestly. Like Kenny Pickett for me was my easy number one. Really? In this draft, yeah. I, mean, I shouldn't say. I mean, I say easy, but like that's not saying that like there's a huge separation between him and like Malik Willis and Matt Corral. I just think that. Whatever, like if there's like three points of separation, like it, it wasn't even like a conversation for me of those guys being where he's at right now. He was my fifth. I liked wow. him the least of the five guys. Interesting, because yeah. he has small hands, Colby. No, and, and literally nothing to do with the small hands. It just uh, doesn't doesn't wow me. Doesn't wow you? Yeah. Well, I mean, none of the quarterbacks really wow me in this class. So, well, I, I agree with that, but he wows me the least of those guys. Okay. That's fair. Uh, obviously, uh, I like, uh, Perry on Winfrey. I think he's going to be a solid pickup for, for a team inside. Um, trying to look at things guys that a little bit later that, that I liked. Mm. Cal mentioned Calvin Austin, but again, he's a receiver. So like throw like 15 receivers in there that I like. JT Woods. I, I do like JT Woods. I like yeah. both the Baylor safeties yeah. actually. I, uh, I, I'm not crazy about this quarterback class, um, but the upside for Malik Willis, like the ceiling to get Malik Willis on day two to me feels like a home run just because of what the ceiling is and what he could develop into. Um, I, I don't think he would have been a bad pick in the 20s last night. No, I agree. I completely agree with that. Uh, so I Malik Willis, um, again, I we'll see how it works out, but but just seeing the, the physical ability, the arm strength, uh, the mobility, like everything he brings to the table physically – like to me, getting him at this point just kind of feels like a steal. Um, we talked about this earlier at the running backs. I'll just kind of go the top tier of these positions. Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker to me are the two guys that I would uh, I would maybe be willing in the right position to take on day two. Otherwise, I'm waiting till day three. The receiver position for me, there are three guys that I think are in the the top tier of what's left. Although I think there's still a ton of talent at at, at that position, but. George Pickens, Sky Moore, Christian Watson at receiver. I'm not touching a tight end if it's me on day two. Uh, tackle, there's still Bernard Ryman from uh, Central Michigan. who And Abraham Lucas, I guess, would be the top two. Uh, guards, like the, the guard position, I think there's like probably six or seven guys that could go tonight that, are, you know, have a chance to, to help teams. Um, you know, it's not a sexy pick, and none of those guys like are – 
like Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson caliber, but uh, I think you can get help at that position and the center position for that matter with Luke Fortner and, and Cam Jurgens. I think at the guard position, I think outside of Sean Ryan, I think the rest of the dudes are probably round three. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them went, but I would be surprised if they went round two. And I, I do like Cameron Jurgens, though. I think he's yeah. a pretty damn good center, but he's a center, so. Yeah, like guard, like Sawyer, Dylan Parham, Ed Ingram, Kennard, Sean Ryan, as you mentioned, Zach Tom, like, yeah, all those guys, like depending on what, you, what exactly you're looking for at that position, like, yeah, just – I mean, if you want to wait till round three, to your point, I think that would be uh, you're, you're going to get help at that position, I think, today, if you're a team looking for interior O-line help. Uh, Arnold Ebicati is one of my favorite players remaining on the board from Penn State, the uh, pass rusher. I also like Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. I'll tell you another one that I think is really interesting because David Ajabo from Michigan was going to be a first-round pick until he tore his Achilles. Um, he's going to go at some point today, but I'll be curious to see like which team decides to pull the trigger knowing that he's not going to play at all this year and is uh, a year away from, from being able to help you. But again, a first-round talent overall. Um, Logan Hall from Houston, somebody to pay attention to that there was some chatter, could maybe be a late first-round pick. Um, and then a couple pass rushers that I like, especially for Dallas maybe in the mid-50s. Uh, Drake Jackson from USC, Kingsley, uh, Enigbare from South Carolina, and then Nick Benito from OU. Uh, maybe slide Sam Williams into that conversation as well. I love Travis Jones from UConn, who I think, like Jordan Davis, is a three-down nose tackle. He's incredibly athletic. Uh, so give me Travis Jones to the Cowboys if he's there. Um, you mentioned Perrion Winfrey already. I think there's a ton of value at linebacker today, too. Nicobe Dean's probably the best player available overall. Um, I, I really agree. like Chad Muma from Wyoming. Um, I like Troy Anderson. Uh, Christian Harris from Alabama should go today. Uh, the, uh, the other Georgia linebacker, Channing Tindall, I think is a, a heat-seeking missile. And another guy that uh, probably goes either late round two, I would guess, or round three. I mean, we're going to have seven Georgia defensive players go in the first two days of the draft, which is mind-blowing. And then, I, uh, and I, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I think that while we've become accustomed to like a lot of Alabama players going day one, I think we're also going to see a big run of Alabama defensive players today. Yeah. With guys like, uh, Mathis at the defensive tackle position, uh, Christian Harris. Like, I, I think that, man, nah, he's not going to go. But yeah, I think we're going to see a run of like, it's going to be a lot of SEC. <laughs> West dudes yeah. going today. Yeah. Uh, corner, I think there's a separation of like like the top tier, Andrew Booth, Kyler Gordon, and Roger McCreary. I like all three of those guys. I'm higher on McCreary, I think, than a lot of people, but um, I think he's on the same level as those two guys. And then Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska is also I think he's a sneaky good somebody pick. that's really intriguing to me. And then uh, the, wrapping up with the safeties, uh, Brisker and Jalen Petrie to me are no-brainer, second-round picks. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, JT Woods, there's Nick Cross, Kirby Joseph, some guys that, you know, could probably help you in, in round three. But yeah, the Petrie and, and Brisker to me are the round two safeties. So, yeah, I, there's still, I, I think, a, a lot out there um, that that I like. And, uh, you know, this is where I think a lot of people felt like the strength of the draft was uh, day two and feeling like, you know, after like maybe the top 20 or so from like 21 to like 75 I think a lot of people felt like was really the strength of, of this draft I, overall. 
I noticed you uh, didn't mention the kickers. I mean, that's the biggest Big 12 oh. dilemma right now is who goes first or who who goes in the draft, Cameron Dick or Gabe Burkich? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No kicker Although, conversation. Look, the punter from San is it San Diego State? Uh, yeah. I, I whose name uh, I still Ariza. don't know. Yeah, that's it. Ariza. That's it. Like, if my team took him in the seventh, okay. Like, I don't hate that. Because yeah, he punched the ball like ninety yards, it's insane. But other than that, no, I'm out. I mean, if I'm Denver, you got to take him, right? If you're Denver, yeah, he literally might give you a touchback every single right. time. I mean, if he's punting 90 yards at sea level in San Diego, that's right. I can only imagine what he's going to do in Denver. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, before I let you run, any any like bold predictions for tonight or anything that uh, you're on the lookout for? I I so desperately want a Baker Mayfield trade to happen, but with Seattle at 40 and 41 and only one quarterback off the board after round one. I don't, know. I don't think it's going to happen. I really, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be crazy like it was yesterday as far as like trades and movements and as far as like established players go, but I'm sure the Texans will uh, flub it at 37. I'll just say that. They might take that punter at 37. NFL Network, after the draft was over yesterday, said be on the lookout for Carolina to make a move on Baker Mayfield now that they didn't go quarterback in the first round. So there you go. Uh, where, yeah, where, they don't have a second round pick, do they? Um, let me look. No, they don't. They don't Seattle, have a pick at all. Time. It. Uh, well then, yeah, yeah, they think today would be the day to uh, make a play at Baker. Yeah. They don't have a pick if, at all today. They, and they passed on quarterback in the first. So yeah, they're, yeah, they were like, be on the lookout for a deal to be made for Baker. Well, there you go. That'll be fun. That will be a, uh, a fun twist for day two. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Uh, hopefully, the drama tonight is as good as it was last night because I that was that was incredible television. I loved seeing all the movement, all the trades, the unexpected unexpected picks. Like literally every time Goodell came to the podium, I was like, "Okay, here we go." I have no idea what's about to happen, and it, it just made the draft a lot of fun. And shout out to the NFL for getting it done in like two hours and fifty minutes. Yeah, I was driving and missed a few of the uh, the first picks because I thought I'll be okay. Like they always take about no, yeah. four hours to do this thing, and yeah, then the one time that I'm not in front of my television when it starts is when they decide they're going to go pretty quick. Yeah, hell, we'll be uh, watching. I won't watch Booger tonight though. I'll uh, I'll do myself yeah, a oh. solid of watching the yeah. NFL Network broadcast. All right, man, enjoy it. That is the voice of Aaron Davis. I'm Colby Daniels, and uh, everybody enjoy rounds two and three of the NFL Draft. Okay.